If you remember, we started off in the first week that uh, we have this whiteboard that represents our life, and we started off the first week how we have so many things written on it from our past, good, bad, all kinds of things, and when we come to Christ, what do we do? We get a clean slate. We get a brand new start, and then we talked about giving others a clean slate and with forgiveness and releasing them. And then in our third week, if you remember a couple of weeks ago before we had our special speakers, we talked about beginning to write and draw the picture that God has for your life on that blackboard or whiteboard. And today, we're going to kind of continue in that vein and talk about kind of filling in the spaces, those things in our life, and walking with God. How many of you have ever played the game Mad Libs? few of you. It's the game, if I can refresh you, if you haven't played it, where um, people will say, okay, give me a verb, give me a noun, give me an adjective, give me an adverb. If you don't know your words, if you don't know your parts of speech, then it's kind of rough on you. But it's really fun for all of us English people, people that love the English language. And you put all these words together, and it's kind of fun. And you don't realize that people are filling in the spaces, and they're putting these crazy words. Here's a noun, aardvark. Here's an adjective, you know. um, Think of an adjective. uh, Fat. And, uh, sorry, that was not a very good adjective, was it? The fat aardvark. And uh, adverbs, and you, you, you have no clue what the story is, and then all of a sudden, they read back to you this crazy story with your words that you've picked in it. And usually it's very random, very funny, and uh, it can be very good. How many now remember you've played that game? And that's kind of what happens sometimes in some people's lives. They're filling in the spaces of their lives. They're just kind of going randomly on, and they really have no clue how everything's going to fit together. And they look at their life, and sometimes they look and go, I don't know if I like this story. I don't like, know if I like the way these spaces are filled in. And you know, that's what we're going to talk about today is that God actually has a plan. Your life is not a big fat game of Mad Libs. Your life is a story that is being written that has a very specific purpose and a very specific plan. And that's what makes it beautiful. But the hard part, or the joyful part, the great part, is that we have to connect with that. We have to figure out that plan, and God wants to help us with that. Um, Proverbs 29, 18, the first part, I'm going to read it in two translations. It says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And then in the ESV, it says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint but blessed is he who keeps the law. When you don't have a sense, a picture, if you don't have a vision, if you don't kind of have an idea of where the story of your life is going, what happens is you live carelessly, one translation says. You kind of cast off restraint. You don't want things to restrain you. You don't understand kind of the, and we're gonna be talking about this, the prophetic guardrails that God's putting on your life because you don't even really know where you're going. You're just kind of living. When I was a kid, there was a gal named Doris Day that I loved the way she sang, and there was a famous song that she sang, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, the future's not ours to see, que sera, sera, beautiful song, horrible message. You know, you can sing a really cool song, I hate, you know, with a beautiful voice and a big smile and just be singing poison because the reality is life is not just a kind of what, it's not just a, I don't want to say a, crapshoot, but it's not just a dice game, okay? 
There is a plan that God has for your life, and it's a beautiful thing. And how we gain that is by having that prophetic vision. And Pastor Steve and I were talking about this message, and I want to give you kind of a, a, a handle on what it is to have a, a prophetic vision for your life. And so we have to break that apart with what is prophecy. What is having a prophetic, uh, having something prophetic? And there's two parts of prophecy when you study the Bible. One, and I'm going to give you these two bigger words, and I'm going to give you some handles for it. One is foretelling. <clears throat> prophecy is telling us about the future. It's foretelling. This is what's going to happen. It's having that, that far-reaching vision. And the second part of it is what we call forth-telling. Uh, some uh, denominations actually call it preaching. It's kind of the, the now. This is what you do. Based on what's going to happen, this is how you walk it out. And they preach and they give you kind of line upon line, precept upon precept, out of the now. And I was thinking about a candy that, I, you know, I like to think of ways to remember things. How many have ever had that candy? or seen it now and later. Those little, they're kind of like a taffy. And that's what I was thinking about. A foretelling and foretelling is the now and the later. The now, the later. And that's the picture that both for your life, and as we're going to talk in a few minutes, for those of you that have children, grandchildren, or ever decide to have that, you need to have a prophetic vision that carries with it both aspects of this. The foretelling, which is speaking of the now, and the foretelling that is talking about, or the foretelling is the now, and the foretelling telling is the future. Now and later, now and later. And those are going to be, I'm going to explain it a little more later, but that's going to be basically the, the guardrails that are going to help you as you walk along. And let me just say this, this prophetic life that you're living is a journey. It's not something that you just kind of, you know, randomly start out on or you have to get it all right in one moment. It's a journey that you are taking literally from the beginning of your life till the end. And the cool thing is, is that the one who created you, the God who loves you more than you can ever imagine, imagine, he is not surprised at your life. Nothing surprises him because he understands both the future of your life and the now that it's going to take to get there, the steps, the clear steps. And that is really, really good news. <clears throat> I want to I say this to you. If you tie your parenting, and I would also say if you basically tie your life, if you tie your parenting to prophetic purpose, if you do that, it will change everything in the way you parent, and also in the results you see. I want to say that again. If you tie, and I think this starts first as individuals, because see, if I don't have a, a clue what's going to happen in my life and where I'm going, it's going to be very hard for me to have both that future and that present vision for my children. And let me just tell you this. It's not just your natural children. It's the spiritual children that God puts in your life, the people you're discipling. It's for grandparents. You know, I'm a grandparent now. I know that's very hard to believe, but I have three and a fourth grandbaby on the way, and I'm already realizing that I want to know God's plan for their life. I'm praying, looking into that because when I tie both my parenting, my grandparent, when I tie my living <clears throat> to that sense of prophetic purpose, both the future and the now, when I do that, it changes everything in the way I live. It changes the way I make decisions. And we're going to look at that a little bit more because that, <clears throat> excuse me, is God's plan. Now let me just say this to you. There is a prophetic plan for your child. And let me say this. God has a plan. And guess who else has a plan? Satan has a plan. Every person that's born, every child that is born, every one of you sitting in this room, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. 
and just as real and just as true is that Satan hates you and has a demonic strategy for your life to keep you from accomplishing what you were born to do. And that's, I, I like to let that sit for a minute because that's sobering. You know, we love to hear the messages, man, God loves me, he's for me. And that is absolutely true. But if you don't understand there's also an enemy that's out to destroy you and to take that away, then you are not gonna live the carefulness. You are not gonna have, you're not gonna understand the, the absolute necessity of having that prophetic vision that's gonna provide those guardrails for your life that's gonna get you from point A to point B to point C to ultimately see the fulfillment of what God has in your life to help you when you go through trials. You know, I was thinking about the people in the Bible, the Daniels, the Esthers, the Peters, the Marys, and I, I wanna read this to you. When I was raising my children, I was thinking about them. I wasn't just raising kids to just kind of be thrown out there and hope, you know, que sera, sera, whatever will be. I was raising, and Pastor Steve and I together were raising world changers. When we look out in this congregation and we look at you and your children, we don't look at you as just random, oh, that's nice that, you know, Casey's in our church or that this person's in our church. We look at you as valuable and realize that God has a plan for you. He has a destiny for you. And there is a God plan, but there is an enemy that is trying to take you out. There was an enemy for each of those people. You are raising, you are becoming world changers. The Daniels, the Esthers, the Moseses and the Deborahs, the Peters and the Marys of our day. And look at the enemies that face them. There are always lions. There are always kings, there are always pharaohs and enemies, personal weaknesses and Herods that are ready to take you out. They're always there. They come. You can't read the Bible without seeing them. And it's especially true for children. You see that when Moses was getting ready to be born, he was going to be the deliverer of Israel. What happened? Pharaoh decided this is a great time to kill all the baby boys. And it took a mother and a father. His, his mother was able to say, I, have, I see that God has a prophetic vision for my son. And she cried out to God. And God gave her a plan. And she had this little ark of bulrushes that she created. And she took him. And once he was about six months old and couldn't, couldn't be hidden anymore from his crying, and she put him out in the river. And she trusted God. And oh, wow, coincidence. Pharaoh's very daughter comes, sees the child. And then all of a sudden, there's Miriam watching. And oh, do you need a nurse for this baby. And what happened? Moses was raised up both in the house of Pharaoh to get the ed education and the safety that he needed to protect him. And he was able to be weaned and nursed by his mother and hear the word of the Lord, which we're going to read in a minute. He was able to be trained and become the Moses that we all sing and know about. Why? Because his mom and his father had a sense of the prophetic vision, and they also had a sense of the demonic strategy that was out to take out their child. That is sobering, and that changes the way you live. It's pretty powerful. I want to read to you from Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 12. We're going to read it first in the King James, or New King James, or actually NLT, sorry about that. Then we're going to read it out of the message paraphrase. And I want you to think about these words, and I really, I'm hoping that you will literally take these passages of Scripture and read them and absorb them and make them part, literally, of your life and how you think, because this was God's plan. This is how God chose for us to be prophetic parents and for us to live with a sense of prophetic vision. Let's read it. These are the commands, the decrees, the regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, 
You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. There was that prophetic sense of where they're going. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. And I would encourage you, put your name there. When I read this, I go, listen closely, Kim, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. There's the now based on the future. The land is coming. The promise is coming. The the prophetic vision is there. But there are daily choices that I make along the way. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns or wells that you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. I'm going to read it in the message in just a minute, but I just want to tell you from this passage, so much of the prophetic land, the the vision that God has for you, so so much of that you get, it's lands that you didn't actually pay for. You know, I remember my grandmother, my dad's mom, she was Italian and uh, she was a riot of a lady. She would tell me that she was the most beautiful girl in her whole village and that my grandpa was so lucky to get her. That was back in the days of arranged marriages. And she was not kidding. She believed that with everything in her. And she would spend the night at my house. And I, would, I had a trundle bed. And I don't know why my parents did this, but I am so thankful. She would sleep in one of the trundle beds with me when she would spend the night at my house. And she would tell me stories, stories of how beautiful she was and how Grandpa, you know, was so happy, good to have her. But then she would tell me stories of coming to this new land from Italy and coming to America and coming to churches. And they, were, they had left the Catholic church. They were like Presbyterians or Methodists. And all of a sudden, they got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she told me that she, when she received her prayer language, that literally she spoke in tongues for days. And, and just that she was so full of the Holy Spirit. And she would tell me about just the persecution that they went through because it was such a brand new thing and people didn't even believe yet. That was when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was being restored in our nation. This was back in like the early 1900s. And I realize that the treasure of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I have, it's a well that I didn't dig. I, don't have to, I didn't have to pay the price that my grandma and grandpa did. My dad told me that they would have stones thrown at them. They were called all kinds of names as they were raised up. But they had a passion for God and raising their kids. And even though my dad, my dad actually, the church was an Italian. He didn't understand a thing they were saying. And he left God. He went through some situations, went through a lot of trials. And this is encouragement for those of you whose kids maybe have walked away. My dad walked away wholeheartedly, got married, had five children, ended up divorced remarried my mom. She was only 17 when she had me. I was six months old. They were in the divorce courts. And what happened? 
the prophetic vision of his mom and his dad came back. And he remembers that all of a sudden he realized, I don't want to divorce again. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to lose another family. And he began to cry out to God. He regave his life to the Lord and he began to pray and believe for my mom to come back. And he went and redecorated their apartment. He was a businessman and he bought pots and pans and he put notes in them, welcoming her home. And if you know my mom, she's not here today, but she's pretty feisty. And she says she didn't know why she went back to him initially, but she knows now it was because God was restoring and there was that prophetic vision, and she got saved, and the rest is history. And you know, one of the greatest gifts my parents gave to me, and I shared this in the first service, is that from the time I was six months old, there was hardly a Sunday, a Wednesday, a Tuesday when they would go out and invite and visit the new visitors, a prayer meeting, a special meeting, that my parents did not have me in God's house. And what it did for me is it birthed in me a love for God's house, and just a sense that every good thing that was ever going to come in my life was going to come from, his, from God and from the community that he'd put me in. That was parents that had a prophetic vision. And they gave me something that literally were the guardrails. They saw something for my future. I remember being in the house of God when God put that prophetic vision in my heart that I felt I was called to be a pastor's wife. Your kids, you know, you may think in your life, what was that call that God began to put? All of a sudden you saw something, and we're going to describe it in a minute, that was the future of your life, and it was like written on this blank page. And now what was going to happen? The spaces we're going to need to be filled in with the now and with, the, with the, the things that God has for that journey to get you there. Parents, this is your sacred responsibility. It will make you crazy because you will see things that other people don't see. You will have a sense that you, there will be things like Pastor Steve taught a few weeks ago that are convictions, which means they're things you would actually die for. There's preferences. Do you like pasta? You don't like pasta. That's a conviction to me. <laughs> for you, it might only be a preference. But there's things when we were watching our kids grow and we were living this Deuteronomy 6 and I want to read it out of the message translation, and I want you to think about it in light of what we're talking about, that watching our kids grow. Even for Steve and I growing up, there, were, there was a soberness. We love life. There was a joy, but there was a soberness. There were guardrails, a prophetic vision that kept us on track, both the far, the future, the foretelling, and then the day in, day out, preaching out, foretelling of the now. If you want that, you got to do this. If you want that, you got to make this decision. If you want that, you're going to fill your life with the word if you want that. And I watched as that happened and unfolded in my life. And I've been privileged to watch and see that unfold in the lives of our four children. Deuteronomy 6 from the message, this is the commandment, the rules and regulations that God, your God, not a distant God, a God that formed you and loves you and created you and sees what's written on the, the slate of your life, the plan that it has for you and wants to fill it in with beautiful things. That God, your God, has commands that he has, that he wants you to, be, to learn, to teach you, to live out in the land you're about to cross and to possess. Keep going. Is it stuck? This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God, observing all his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you, you and your children and your grandchildren. God always speaks in three generations. It's never just about you. It's always about your future. 
your children and your grandchildren, living good, long lives. Listen obediently, Israel. Do what you're told so that you'll have a good life. I, I love that. I, I did say that to my children quite a bit. Just do it. Just do what I say. It's going to be a good life. A life of abundance and bounty, just as God promised in a land abounding in milk and honey. Attention, Israel. God, our God. God, the one and only. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all that you've got. Write these commands that I've given you today, where? On your heart. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. I want to say that like 20,000 times. Get them inside you and then get them inside your kids. You can't get them in your kids, your grandkids, your spiritual children, unless they burn inside of you. That's why you get up in the morning and do your devotion. It's not legalism. It's because, God, I've got to get this. I've got to understand the things that you apprehended me for, the things that are in my future. And I know to get there, it's going to take this thing and that thing. It's going to take the daily walking out of the, the, the words and the, 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 the commandments that you've given. I've got to get it in me, and then I've got to get it in them. So that even, and I speak this to you, I felt as I was praying. Some of you, I know when you hear messages like this, it's like part of you wants to go, ow, ow, because maybe your kids aren't walking with God, or maybe you didn't walk with God. Maybe you messed it up, and you're going, it's too late. It's never too late. We serve the song that we sang about the God of hope. And he brings restoration. But let me tell you, it comes with a deep sense of looking at the future and going, I want that. But then it comes with some grit that says, I'm willing to do the work that it takes to get there. And that's what we're talking about in this daily, walking it out. You get it inside of you, and then you get it inside your children. Talk about these things wherever you are. Sitting at home or walking in the street, talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. It's great to have plaques, and here's the Ten Commandments, but more. See, when it's on your heart, your home is marked. I believe when you walk in our home, you will know who our God is. Not because we have cool plaques on the wall, but because the minute you sit down at our table, and we have some pasta, or we have some soup, or we have a bologna. Actually, I don't eat bologna sandwiches. Steve does, but salami sandwich. It's not going to take very long, and we're going to start talking. We're going to start trying to get you. What, what, what do you see? What do you see as God's plan for your life? What's on the top of the page? See, these things that come, there's two illustrations that Pastor Steve and I were thinking about this. One is you have this blank page, and you have the kind of on the top of the page that, fort, that foretelling, that far-reaching vision. And then from the time your kids are born, or the time you were born, you're beginning to write. It's beginning to unfold. The spaces are beginning to be unfolded in the daily walking out of that. It's filling it up. And it comes from the bottom up. It, it's something that starts. It doesn't start, you know, you don't, you don't, all of a sudden you're not born and all of a sudden you're Billy Graham. I love T.D. Jakes. He talks about how when he was a kid, he goes, I didn't know I was going to be T.D. Jakes. You know who T.D. Jakes is? He's this famous preacher. He just thought he was just little, whatever his first name was. Tommy, I just thought he was, he was just Tommy. But Tommy became T.D. Jakes who changed the world. Why? Because I think there was a mama and a daddy who said, I see something 
that Tommy doesn't see yet. Your kids don't have to see this, but you do. And as you begin to share it with them, all of a sudden they get glimpses. I remember raising our kids, and I remember the choices. I remember, you know, I tell this story about Johnny. I told it in the first service. I think it might have even been Don that did this. We were sitting, watching something, and we're asking him about you know, if he's going to have a, who he's going to marry, get girlfriend, and he was four years old. And I remember he said, I'm not going to be dating. I'm going to be waiting until God brings the person in my life that I'm going to marry because I want, he understood the future. Four years old. Don't tell me kids can't get this stuff. They get it easier many times than we are because they're wet cement. But see, then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep encouraging that and focusing it. I remember when Natalie sat, we put our house up on the hill. I remember it as if it was yesterday. I had this gold formica countertops and a Mary Inglebrit wallpaper. And she was a great goalie. She was feisty. And her dad had taught her, come out of the net. And she was just feisty. And she was the goalie for North Medford. I believe she was a freshman. She was doing well. And she probably would have continued up. And I remember her sitting there, little tears in her face. God had begun to put on her heart about doing school Bible studies, about reaching youth. And she sat with tears and she just said, Mom, I, I, I can't. I need to lay soccer down because. And I go, you don't have to do that. You can do both. God is, you can play soccer. She goes, no, I can't. I can't. Because this thing that God's calling me to, that's where I want to put my energy. 10, 11 years old. Why could she make that decision? Because see something, she saw something future. See, if your kids, if everything's just no, can't do that. No, no. See, and you've heard us say this. We really tried to put in our home a big yes. Yes! God has an incredible plan for you. Yes! But you know what the no, what are the no's? The no's are if you do that, it's gonna get you off track and it's not gonna, you're not gonna hit that that thing that God has called you to. And that brings purpose. That's again tying prophetic purpose to what you do. It changes everything. And it takes guts to do that. Because you are going, and I Man, we are going, if our culture is not helping us anymore. I remember reading parenting books years ago, and they talked about how, you know, culture used to be able to be some realm of a safety net. The church is meant to be that safety net for you now to help you. But you gotta, you got to be like, is a salmon that swim upstream to, you got to be a salmon. You got to swim, I, that's a really good imitation, woo, you know. You got to swim upstream, upstream. To be the person that God has called you to be, you are going to have to go counterculture. To raise the kind of Daniels and Esthers and Moses and Peters. You know, Peter was a loudmouth. Maybe you have a loudmouth little kid. That is so cool. Raise him up to be a Peter. Thank God that Peter caught it. And even when he failed, Jesus said, Peter, you know, you think you're going to do so awesome. Actually, I know you're going to blow it. In fact, you're going to betray me. Not once, not twice, three times. Boop. But I prayed for you. And afterward, some of you have kids that are on the one, two, three. Don't quit praying. We were talking to Pastor Tony. He said he sends out pastors. And because they're, they're built on relationship, he says he has pastors that go once. And guess what happens? They flop. He has ones that go out the second time. And guess what happens? They flopped. Third time, guess what happens? They made it. I believe in God's plan for your life. But guess what? You have to. God believes in his plan for your life. You have to. 
And that's why Pastor Steve is talking to me in between services that when we have prophetic assembly presbyteries, as some of you know, and they're prophesying, they'll give. Here's the, here's the hope chest. Here's the top line. Here's the foretelling. And then what do they do? A whole bunch of foretelling. If you want that, you got to do this. Give attention to the word. Do this. And so you have to fall in love with that. When God, your God, ushers you into the land he promised to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, you're going to walk into large, bustling cities like I told you you didn't build. Well-furnished houses you didn't buy. Come upon wells you didn't dig. Vineyards and olive orchards you didn't plant. When you take it all in and settle down, pleased and content, make sure you don't forget how you got there. God brought you out. Make sure you don't forget as you're filling in the spaces of your life that God's the one that cleaned the slate for you. God's the one that gave you a track to run on. God's the one who's building a ladder in your life with one side the foretelling, one side the forthtelling, one side the now, one side the later, and the rungs as you go up are created out of that, out of that prophetic purpose, and those prophetic guardrails are there. So you do what? You go from glory to glory, strength to strength, maybe failure to I can get there from here because you have a God that brought you out. I feel, man, the Spirit of God is here this morning to do what? To put hope in your heart. To put hope in your heart that you can get there from here. I don't care what kind of family you came from. I don't care where you are today. If you will make a decision to cry out to God and start doing what he said and love, begin to write. That's going to be your homework. Write the vision. Ask God the vision for you and your kids, and you will begin to do that. God will help you fill in the spaces, and you will find an incredible life. How do we do this? We do this, and we use the alphabet. Um, I started it for you. You can finish. There's actually, that's the homework, but go back one. Use the alphabet. Um, there's 26 letters in the alphabet, I think. I'm tired this morning. Are there 26? Okay. And you can go through them. I didn't do all 26. I started them for you. Because you've got to start filling in the spaces by writing. And how do you do that? Number one, affirmation and attention. Yeah, there's that affirming the call of God in your life, in your kid's life. And then calling, giving attention to the call of God. We prayed over our kids till we saw what God had put in their life. For some of you, you may be raising little businessmen, little lawyers. You might be raising little, you know, little uh, teachers, preachers, moms, dads, farmers. There's a whole bunch of things they can be, but there's a purpose. You got to connect with that so you have the future and so you can begin writing the call. Do it by what? By the Bible principles and pattern. You get that word in your heart. Remember, you got to get it in you. And then you got to get it in them. I was telling in the first service that I was really proud of Robin. You know, she, I don't think she minds me sharing because she put it on Facebook. So that she recognized that her kids, she read her Bible and prayed, but she realized her kids had never seen her do that very often. And so she changed the way she did it so they would see her. Oh, mom reads the Bible, mom, all of a sudden. You know, it meant a lot to me as a mom. I can't tell you how many devotions my kids interrupted. And I, you know, I'd be praying, and I thought, my, I, sometimes Steve would come home, and I'd be a nervous, I'd be just a mess, and he would say, you didn't do your devotions, did you? And I responded very sweetly, no, I said, what do you say? You know, I mean, I would just be, because you know, those early years with your kids, you have no sleep, you know, you're trying, and I'm thinking, I'm feeling like a failure. Do you know what Natalie told me, and she, you've heard her say this, one of her best memories, 
was coming and sitting on the couch. She remembers the smell of the good earth tea, because I was trying not to eat sugar, and I'm still doing that. Not winning, but doing it. <laughs> Reading my Bible, and she'd lay down, and I'm thinking, she's interrupting my devotions, I'm a failure, what does God think of me? And my daughter's thinking, this is the best memory I have. I remember my mom every day was up. Don't get discouraged. It's a journey. It's not a sprint. You're going to fail. You're going to blow it. I remember standing with our kids we'd had, and I'm finishing. We'd, we'd had a mistake. It wasn't a moral mistake, but just some things. And I remember just talking to my kids. We were, they were quite a bit older and saying, I'm sorry that we weren't a better example in this particular area. It was a thing that had happened in some financial things. It wasn't illegal. It was, just, it was just something I was disappointed. And I remember that for my kids, they caught that we weren't quitters. If you ask my kids, one of the things they can tell you that they got from their dad, even though, man, we'd, th we'd feel like we were failing forward and we weren't, we weren't making it. They tell me, you know, Mom, Dad, we really feel like there's absolutely nothing we can't do. We know it'll be hard work, but we can get there from here. That's, that's cool. That's what I want for you. That's what Pastor Steve wants for you. It comes with biblical principles. It comes with crucial conversations. Those times where you have to have that tough talk because it matters. Because this thing will take them out. And you have to be willing to die for it. You have to be willing to say, this is what's like the globe talk. Everywhere else you can do those things. Here, this is how we're going to live. And it takes that daily walk and talk. Those that time eating at the family table. Fun. All those things. Next week we're going to be sharing with you guys some uh, plays from our playbook and from some of the playbooks of people in this room and just giving you some practical things. What am I trying to do in your heart today? I'm trying to get some fire in you. I'm trying to get in under the discouragement, under the sense maybe of failure. I'm trying to get in under the culture that tells you your kids are raised at 18. <laughs> I'm trying to get in there under the culture that, you know, being, being uh, specific and this is God's way and this is how we're going to do it, that it matters, it's worth holding on to. I'm trying to get in there the disappointments where some of you said, I did that and my kids chose something else and tell you it's not over. The story's not over. The spaces are getting spilled in, filled in. That God's going to use those things. My mom and dad were married over 50 years, even though at, at six months they were in the divorce courts. How they do that? By God's grace. I want you to stand with me. I want to pray for you. I want to make an invitation. And then Pastor Steve's going to be praying for the moms. I hope in my passion you catch. This is really my heart. Pastor Steve's heart. But way beyond us, this is God's heart. God loves you. He loves your family. He loves you and your children and your grandchildren. And he loved before you, your parents and your great-grandparents. And he can take the best and the worst. And when you surrender it to him and you say, God, I'm going to let you fill in the spaces of my life. He can make a beautiful story that can change many lives. Right now, some of you may not have ever had that first step, which is to get, ooh, clean slate, brand new start. Let me give you some good news. Today is the day of salvation. Today, Jesus is here saying, I love you. I want to I help you. 
And we want to pray with you. We don't want to embarrass you. We're going to ask you just in a minute, if you have not received Jesus, if you have not asked him in your heart to forgive your sins, if you've not received his blood to wash you clean, then I'm going to ask you to make that step today. I'm going to ask you to be brave. I have a sense today that there's some of you that have made that step, but you haven't been walking it. And I'm talking today, and I believe that today God wants you to take a walk. And maybe it's not the first time, but you're going to make a recommitment and say, God, I'm yours. I'm going to live my life like this. If that's you in one of those two categories, would you raise your hand? We want to pray with you. I, be I believe there's some of you here. Please don't be embarrassed. We want to pray with you. We want to help you. This is a huge decision that will change the trajectory of your life. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior or you want to renew that commitment to Jesus, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? I see one hand. Another. Okay, any of you that want to come right now for prayer for that, just come on up and join our prayer team up here. We want to pray for you. And then I'm going to pray for everybody else. I know it takes a step of faith to come out, but we just want to, we want to pray with you in that. If you would do that, if you raised your hand, if you would come forward, we want to pray for you. Give you a minute to do that. Maybe if you're kind of nervous, ask the person next to you, they'll walk up with you. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. The rest of us, if we can pray where you are, just lift your hands with me right now. We want God just to do that work. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for being bold. Thanks for being bold. Thanks. Amen. Awesome. We want to pray. Let's just pray a prayer together. Can you say with me, dear Jesus, today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I need your blood to wash me clean, to give me a brand new start, a clean slate, so that I can have the future that you have given to me, both for my life and for my, my children. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for receiving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's give them a hand. Team's going to pray with you. The rest of us, let's raise our hands. I just want to pray for you right now. How many want God to just burn his foretelling and foretelling the now and later for your life and your children and your grandchildren? That homework is to go home and just to write it out and say, okay, God, this is what I see. Now, what are the steps that I'm going to take for that? Lord, I just pray for each one that's in this room. God, we can't do this on our own. We need you, God. We need you to fill in the spaces of that future. We need you to fill in the spaces of that great plan you have for our life. And God, I pray that every person in this room, that hope would arise. God, I speak to discouragement and I say, go away. We receive courage because you are great. And we thank you that you are living in us and through us, God. Help us to fill in the spaces with your word and with your plan for our life. In the name of Jesus, amen.